welcome to episode 27 of Expertise is Overrated, the podcast that takes the time to answer the questions you didn't know you didn't want the answers to. I'm Sean. And I'm Vib, and neither of us has any clue what we're talking about. Before we move on, let's award the much-vaunted Expertise is Overrated tinfoil award. As a reminder, this is an award that we give out at the start of each episode to the person who had the most ridiculous point in last week's episode. And... I'm fed up with this, I have to say. <laughs> I, think I, I say nothing. I say nothing except wisdom and sense in every episode. And yet, every pissing episode, I'm getting the tinfoil. Some might say that you're just misunderstood. Not as misunderstood, however, as Ed Muir Tully, the subject of this week's tinfoil. No. I said, those of you who listened to last week's episode, I said that Ed Tully is in fact not a tool, just a highly misunderstood character, and apparently that statement of objective truth is tinfoil-worthy. Uh, in fairness to you, I don't think we said anything more outrageous than that last N- time, so... No, I think I think this is tinfoil for, t- for contentious statement rather than insanity, I think. Yes, I think that's fair. I mean, insanity so, is, is wanting to actually be in Joffrey's shoes in the first place. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we both started out on a hiding to, to nothing there. But, well, we did that thought exercise so you didn't have to. Yes, that's true. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, another tinfoil for you. It's great. Um, the list keeps on growing. I, I, I think this one's coming back. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't think we've heard the last of Edgar Tully. Oh, no. There's, there's more to more to talk about there. Sure, but no. anyway. Anyway, yes, let's move on from your stupidity from last time to the stupidity Some, of today. I was going to say, do we not want to talk about someone else's stupidity? We had some, some feedback on our episode about tinfoil. Um, so just very briefly, uh, in our Discord, uh, CT said, I think the most sensible thing he's ever said. Is yeah, that fair? I think that's fair. I think that's absolutely fair. No, I don't have the exact wording to to hand because really it doesn't matter he said i was right and we can just move past that uh that's not how i interpreted what he was saying oh <laughs> so how i interpreted what he said well he he realistically said that the his comment was essentially that the biggest issue with the newest trilogy of star wars films is the lack of overall direction. I, and to be completely fair, I think that's true. Say what you like about the original trilogy or indeed the prequels. There is at least something approaching a coherent narrative that runs through them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And there's a, a one vision, you know, that you can see George Lucas through all of them and everyone else's failure to rein George Lucas in. <laughs> yes, I mean, I guess this time around you have this the problem of Rian Johnson as we've as we've yes. discussed in the past. It's, well, it's although the, the the other viewpoint is just that Rian Johnson is a genius and J.J. Abrams is a clown. I, I, I think I think the actual problem is that Rian Johnson and J.J. Abrams wanted to do different things, and J.J. Oh, yes, Abrams is an aggressively derivative director who makes easy to watch films that play on nostalgia i'm looking at the star wars re the star trek reboot sorry yeah um which is those films are really easy to watch and nothing interesting happens in them Um, i think they're really they're really easy to watch but also really they're crap good yeah (laughs) they're they're not good films and yet i've watched all of them at least twice 
because they're <laughs> because they're just really easy. Um, and they've also one at least one of them has Benedict Cumberbatch chewing on every piece of scenery he can get his hands on, which is excellent. But but Very yeah, you, so. the the problem is you've then with. The Last Jedi got Rian Johnson, who clearly had a very different creative vision, and that, this is this is CT's point. You know, J.J. Abrams apparently gave Rian Johnson the direction that he wanted to take the trilogy in. <laughs> Rian Johnson went, "Nah, no. that's rubbish. <laughs> I'm not doing that." Which you know, fair, um, but that does then give us the the, co- the coherency point that you were talking about the fact that the Last Jedi comes out of nowhere and doesn't fit with the other two films. And that, that, I think, is then when you and I start to differ or start to disagree. Oh, very much so. And, and uh, I get the sense that this is an argument that's never going to be put to bed. No, because we just don't agree. And it's fine. We can still remain friends while not agreeing about this. I mean, well, we should become we're, friends if, if we were friends, we could remain friends. <laughs> anyway, yes. CT, well done. That's a good point for once. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Last Jedi is still shit, and that's just the truth of it. Anyway, today we're talking about something else that's controversial, divisive, divisive very divisive. Yeah. The wheel of the wheel of time. Amazon's recent. <laughs> we really need to work on our ability to tap into the zeitgeist because the wheel <laughs> of time finished. Amazon's <laughs> Wheel of Time series finished. I think by the time this episode goes out, like three or four months ago. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Um, never mind. Uh, but yeah, so we're talking about Amazon's adaptation of the Wheel of Time. Um, as is tradition, you've not read the books. Of course not. Because you can't read and are lazy. Yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> but it will, I think, give us an interesting perspective because you don't have that background love of the series that I think has put a load of people off the Amazon adaptation. Yes, and realistically what this is, showing our actual grasp of the zeitgeist, is sizzle for the upcoming Lord of the Rings TV show. Yes. And we're going to be on top of that. (laughs) We are going to be on top of that. We're going to... we. Oh, no, we could do an episode-by-episode episode review. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're not going to do that. <laughs> who, who am I kidding? Who wants to listen to us that often? Literally no one. I could put it, I could put it on for the, for the baby and she could fall asleep to it. Well, she might think my points are just that interesting, though. And keep her awake. Yeah, let's definitely not do that. Um, <laughs> but no, so... so we're going to talk through the wheel of time. I don't. I don't think we need much structure. I mean, I've while we've been talking about it off air, I brought up a list of things that were frustrating me about it. But I guess cards on the table. I've read all the books. Um, I I own all the books. I've read them all at least two or three times. Um, so I'm approaching this from a very different perspective from you. I wouldn't consider myself a super fan. Like there are some people out there who, you know, are probably too into Wheel of Time. And, you know, if that's you, great. Don't write in about how we're butchering Robert Jordan's memory or anything like that, because we will just make fun of you on air. (laughs) That's like fair warning. However, first, first question first. Out of five stars, 
How many stars do you give the TV show? Oh, that's that's actually a very tough question to start off with. Um, Why well, is I'm going to ask you again at the end? Out of five stars, how many would I give it? No half stars. I was just thinking three and a half. <sighs> Courage of your convictions. Three. Three? I yeah, think three. Average. I think three. Bang average. Six out of ten. Better, better than not watching it. But yeah, I think it's a three-star production, which doesn't bode well for the Lord of the Rings. What, I, what I'll say about it is, though, I I would very much like to see season two. Yes, and and so would I. I'm I'm at the stage where I I will watch season two. I finally got round to watching the finale. I watched all of them by the finale, basically as they came out, and then I didn't watch the finale for some reason. That bodes well, doesn't it? I mean, uh, you lost. Faith. I really, I really, point. I really fell off it, but I do, I do want to see where they take it. But I think my, I want to see where they take it is probably very different from yours because there are moments in the book that I want books that I want to understand how they're going to adapt. I guess because I ultimately know where the story yeah, should end. Of course, of course. Uh, and I, I, what I will say actually is, um, full disclosure, I binge watched this something fierce. Yeah, that was um, that was quite something. And so, and so you may be surprised that I gave it a three. And so actually, if you'd asked me after, I don't know, the first three or four episodes, four stars. I I think it's I think it pe- it starts really high. I think that first episode is really good. Um, I then think it falls off a little bit for a couple of episodes before pulling it back. Oh, I don't I, think it pulls it back. You don't. No. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think which episodes do I think it, it starts to pull it back. In maybe, I, maybe, maybe it doesn't actually. Maybe I'm just trying to be nice to it. Um, oh, also for for listeners who haven't watched the TV show, we're going to spoil every single episode, and I'll probably end up spoiling most of the books as well. I'm going to try very hard not to spoil the books because you haven't re- read them and are going to, uh, as I understand it, or at least listen to them. Yeah, well, um, I mean, I should say that they've been on my list of things to to read for so long because I mean, it is a fantasy classic, and I do love that. Yes. But as you mentioned before, there is this sort of fandom associated with it that makes it, for lack of a better word, kind of daunting. It, it and there's is, a lot of it. It's, it's daunting. There are four. I'm looking at it on my shelf now, and there are fourteen books, each of which is bigger than my consolidated version of Lord of the Rings. Right, so I've got all of the Lord of the Rings books in one volume, and all of the Wheel of Time is bigger than that. Yeah, and that's, now, that's a lot of epic for. Yeah, I, I yeah. do think my my Lord of the Rings is written on like Bible paper, so it's probably the same number of pages per book. But even so, that's a lot of book. Yeah, and there's the the famous three book slump in the middle where Robert Jordan basically couldn't write himself out of the hole that he got himself into <laughs> and sort of, you know, George Martin can't write himself out of the hole that he's got himself into. And so stopped writing. Robert Jordan couldn't write himself out of the hole he got himself into. And so wrote three books to get out of it. I rate <laughs> that more than George Martin's approach. Not rather, lie. rather phenomenal. It was meant to be, I think a nine book series and it ended up, I think when it got to, so obviously this is the series that famously, Robert Jordan died before he finished it. Yeah. Um, so the last one that he wrote was book 11, uh, Knife of Dreams. And then it was given to Brandon Sanderson, 
who who basically all of Jordan's notes were given to to Sanderson, and he had, Sanderson had to sit down with uh, Robert Jordan's wife, who was also his editor. I had a long chat with her, and he was commissioned to write one book, and. I think partly because the notes were written by Robert Jordan and partly because he's Brandon Sanderson. He wrote three. Yeah, and I remember reading somewhere that he just couldn't finish, he couldn't do it. finish it you, in one book. Yeah. You you can see you can see why he couldn't do it. I don't think it needed three, but that's just Sanderson for you. Um, <laughs> he does like a word, doesn't he? Yeah, but I mean the the last two or three books are really, really good again. Yeah. Um, no, so, so I mean, spoilers ahead. Yes. Uh, I, I personally don't really mind so much because, as is the case with quite a lot of fantasy epics, it's more about the journey than necessarily the end. Because yeah. I guess we can kind of all know how it ends. Yes, we're not. I think we're more at risk of spoiling stuff in the first two or three books than we are the ending. Because at the very end, shock horror: the good guys win. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, how weird for a fantasy series, <laughs> especially one that. Was written in the nineties. Yeah, well, yeah, before then, even right. So. Well, even before then. But my point is, it predates uh, Game of Thrones and this idea yeah. that there are no good guys and bad guys or anything like that. Exactly. No, but I, I'm really looking forward to discussion because it, it's it's quite rare that you can have this sort of thing, right, where one person has read the source material and there is an adaptation of it. And yeah, I think that's I think that's true. It's it's a bit like talking to finding someone who's seen the Lord of the Rings films hasn't read the books but cares enough about the films enough to want to talk about them <laughs> because most people who care that much about an adaptation will have read the source material so we're in a fairly unique position i think see that's an interesting example i wonder because i i, I feel the lord of the rings films have, have got a fandom of, of their own that overlaps with the books but is is separate because i mean that those were award-winning incredible films whereas the wheel of time tv show i think i think even on amazon it's got like a three-star rating so it's, it's not like it was well received by the general consumer i guess yeah no that's a fair that's a fair point that's by the by wheel of time tv show um, wheel of time tv show yeah re- really great start i think as tv shows go it's mysterious it's intriguing it yeah. made you want to what made me want to go back for episode two to see what was up I think I think episode one is a really strong open. Um, can we talk for a second about casting? Because I think the casting throughout <laughs> is pretty phenomenal, actually. I mean, a Rosamund Pike, yes, in anything, absolutely. She's doing really, really well. She's also she's allegedly a massive Wheel of Time fan. Well, yeah, she she's now actually narrated the first she's, book. She's narrating the audiobooks, isn't she? As yeah, a as a, a as a tie-in, yeah. which you know. Free money for her, basically. Which will finally free. mean I read the books. I don't even have to read them myself. Rosamund Pike will read them, Pike read them to you, which that's a that's weird. Um, Beg to differ. Um, but yes, aside from Rosamund Pike, I, I do I do agree with you. Not obviously not knowing anything about what the characters mm. are supposed to look like, but there's, there's, there was a lot of controversy around the casting, which I don't want to go into because I'm going to get angry and say things that I can't row back from. I don't have a problem with any of the casting, I don't think. Um, I think they make Rand stand out from everyone around him, which is pretty much the most important thing. I think he looks different from everyone else in in The Two Rivers, which is really important. Oh, that's interesting that you say that, because I hadn't really... You don't clock it. 
Yeah, until it, until it becomes relevant, I think. Um, so obviously, yeah, they start dropping subtle hints to that effect as well. Yeah, you've got all of the is it loyal who talks about him looking like an or being and this is really screwed with all my pronunciation as well. I always pronounce the word ale, but apparently it's pronounced ail. Yeah, um, yeah. He's looked at parents of rap, but all of this is stuff that is also really important in the books, right? So Rand is is meant to be meant to look different from everyone around him. Um, but yeah, I, I guess maybe it's not as obvious in well, yeah, not not at first. But when 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 the first scene occurs where we meet a Nail, I mean dead, I suppose. But they make a big deal of oh, you know, this is what they look like, and and so yeah. on and so forth. And then you Pale skin, start putting the two together, yeah. and you're like, uh, <laughs> there's something odd about Rand now. Yeah, that doesn't quite all fit, does it? Um, I mean, the the casting for the 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 main five is really good. You know, the the actors all do really well. It's a shame that the actor playing Matt um, has has left the show so they're going to have to recast Matt and how they do oh, that good. yeah that's so that's why well I don't know if that's why Matt's not around for the finale when he should be according to the books but that is the reason that's given in, in sort of oh, among, so amongst, it's in, amongst in the, the books fandom. he is he's yeah, there for that so, final so, so, so that's one of the things that I'm really worried about right and this is this is me with my no the books are better hat on but that I'm really worried about the direction they're taking Matt's character because he's not like a bad guy. He's mischievous. He's he's a Pippin, effectively, right? He's mm-hmm. a bit mischievous. He's a bit of a prankster. But the the example that's always given, right, is that so the it, when they were in Emmonsfield, um, they were. There was like a, a girl fell in the mill pond, and Matt, without even thinking about it, dives into the mill pond to rescue her, only to discover that actually she jumped in and she's fine. And basically, everyone in the Two Rivers makes fun of Matt for months about this, right? And he basically goes, Well, fuck all you. Next time someone falls in the mill pond, they can fucking drown as far as I care. <laughs> and then someone falls in the mill pond, like in the middle of, middle of winter. And without hesitation, quick as you like, Matt is in there and rescues her and saves her life. See, this right. is interesting because when I started watching the TV show, like one of the things they make abundantly clear about his character early on is that he is that guy. He's quite caring. He's he's yeah. He's sacrificial. Yeah, he's, he's self-sacrificing for his sisters, isn't he? Yeah, like yeah. In, in in the midst of a gigantic attack, like something that I'm sure is unheard of in, in that part of the world. Yeah. And he, you know, no, no, doesn't care about himself. He's, he's just out there to save mm. his sisters. And, and you sort of get a bit more of that vibe from him. And then all of a sudden he goes, I mean, he picks up a knife in this, what I imagine is some sort of cursed titty. Yes. Um, and the knife kind of takes hold, which I, I get sure. Yeah. That's interesting. But then when uh, Moraine sort of cures him of that, it's probably the wrong term, but she sorts him out. But he, he's still kind of evil. It's almost like they, they they changed their mind halfway through the show and were like, yeah, actually, we kind of like this evil vibe. So I, th- I think 
this is where you I, I have to be really careful but they are that's where they start deviating from the books because in the books Moiraine isn't able to break the connection with the dagger right so all she can do is stop the dagger killing him well not even that like risk of spoiling stuff but basically she basically stops it like eating away at him it's still eventually going to kill him but it doesn't you know how in the in the show he's like getting thinner and more gaunt yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. like cradling the dagger and stuff and she she'd be able basically is able to slow all that right down but she's not able to fix it on her on her own yeah so it's a bit like dumbledore's cursed hand exactly it's exactly like dumbledore's cursed hand that's a really good comparator but because the power levels of a load of the channelers in the show are really confusing it's not clear to me whether moraine is meant to have fixed yeah that. let's and let's let's come back to that in a second yeah um, it, it's not clear whether moraine's meant to be able to meant to have fixed that which in which case that makes her like the most powerful anyway screw that um she <laughs> that that then has a huge knock-on impact for the way matt interacts with the world around him Right, so it's, it 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 just all gets a bit confused in the, it, in the it, middle. It really does because it, it. I mean, she 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 just cures him. That's that's the way they make it look at it. Uh, she literally it pulls it out, and then he feels instantly better. But then he's not. He's still very different, very yeah. sullen, very dark. Yeah, and there's no Matt. Matt in the books isn't is never. I'm not going to say never, but he's. He doesn't have that darkness. He's he's fiercely independent. He's very like he, he spends a long time trying to get away from Moiraine and the Aes Sedai and all of that, and from Rand eventually, but not in a malicious way. Not in a fuck yeah. you all. I'm going to let the world burn, or as the show seems to be suggesting, I might even turn to the dark. But just in a can everyone just leave me alone? Yeah, yeah for way. sure. I just want to go and live my life. But ultimately, as, as with Perrin, as with Egwene, as with Nynaeve, as with Rand, the fact that he doesn't turn to the dark and the fact that he's that good-hearted person is absolutely fundamental to saving the world at the end. Yeah, I can I can see that. And I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm maybe maybe season two will open with oh, it turns out that Matt is not cured. Oh dear. In which case, fine. Like that's fine because that also serves to pull Moraine down a bit and all of that. But if they just keep on that line of Matt having this darkness and and this like risk of falling and all of that, it's it's just a huge change to his character, and I don't think it improves things. Well, and it's just confusing within the context that I had from the show is that yes, sure, one of them is the Dragon Reborn, supposedly. Yeah, but that that group of five. If, is somehow connected, and and I I get the feeling that whatever happens at the very end of the tale, it will require all five of them to work together. So, yes and no, and this is this is again where the the, the show made some changes that I don't agree with, but that doesn't make the show worse. It just it's they're just artistic changes that I I don't think are improve it uh, upon the books. But there was never the the question of who is the dragon is not a big... It's not the core 
line that runs through the eye of the world, which is the first book, um, in the same way. There's never a suggestion that it's Egwene or Nynaeve. Right? The only three people it could be are Rand Perrin, Matt, and you very quickly, as a book reader, work out it's Rand. See, that's very interesting because maybe I'm just stupid, and I'm sure we can all agree on I mean, that. You are, yeah, but but um, <laughs> but I am a very good consumer of TV, um, and I, I I got the distinct impression that the TV show early on really wanted you to believe that Nynaeve was the the front runner. Yeah, I mean, well, that's it, the it that's can't the, be any the, more on the nose than when the the actual dragon, the fake dragon reborn. I don't know what you call him. Logain. Yeah, that's the one. Right, they they sort of kind of deal with him. And then she does some amazing channeling of the likes that is clearly, you know, very profound. Yeah. And again, even comments on it, it's like, wow, yeah, that's that's amazing. And so you think, okay, they really want you to think that she's... So, yeah, because this, this is the whole, Loghain is meant to be a phenomenally powerful channeler. And then Moiraine says to him... The, the dragon re- reborn next to you will be like the sun next to a yeah. candle. And then Nynaeve does uh, sort of like a ma- essentially casts mass healing word, um, heals everyone in the room. And Loghain looks at her and goes, like a sun next to exactly, a candle. Yeah. And you're like, oh, fuck off. Um, exactly. But, but this it's, is where. This is where I think the conversation about power levels needs to happen because the, the film well, this, yeah. is so confused. So confusing. We we had a chat offline. Yeah. Um, about this because I I genuinely was just very confused. And and this perhaps it's because they're painting Moraine really as a as a main character. I don't know if if she is in, in the tale. She's, sure she's 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 present. She's, but. She, she's 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 present for the first. Yeah, she's present throughout the Eye of the World, um, and most of the books. To be fair, but she's. She's never a point of view character, right? So you're never inside Moraine's head, I don't think. Um, yeah, whereas I feel we kind of live there in the TV mm, show. Yeah, she, she's our pr- perspective on the world, and I think that is a problem. But she she's she's like the the the, the inciting incident that gets the the Emmonsfield Five to leave the two rivers and all of that. Um, but yeah, she's not. Like a main, I wouldn't call her a main character. I'd call her like one of the lead secondary characters. Mm. I think, um, but I don't think that it works to have her be so, as you say, have us inside her head so much. We see too much of her plotting, and her the fact yeah. that she's always plotting is a is a big part of the books, and you don't know what Moraine's doing. Yeah, I can imagine that, right? Because because she's clearly got some sort of grand plan, and I think that the show does make a very good attempt at sort of saying, oh, you know, you know, she she's a one of the blues. Yes, but kind of you don't know what do a blue is. Thing. Exactly, we don't really know what blue is, but they're 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 a little mysterious, you know. They 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 they're the plotters. They've got some sort of grand philosophy, yeah. I think, and and that makes sense. And then she seems to be a very extreme example of that, but. Yeah, but then I don't know. She she just it, it's it's weird to have a character that's set up to be mysterious and all that, and then have us be kind of riding shotgun with that character, basically inside her head. It it would be like 
getting a having a short story from the Merlin's perspective in the Dresden Files. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. These are characters that work because you don't know what they're thinking. Yeah, and that's very strange. And also because obviously she's the very first Aes Sedai that we meet. Um, yes. And she throws a lot of power around. Yes. And then with with essentially like zero preamble, you meet a bunch more and the concept of power is kind of introduced. Uh, obviously, yes. with, with uh, Legain as the main focal point, and so that's that's one thing. He's exceptionally strong. Yeah, and you walk away from that thinking, okay, well, this guy maybe it's a guy thing. I don't know. Maybe stronger than than all those really well trained Sedai. Yeah, but then when you get to the White Tower, there's this very strong indication that there's different power levels. I remember saying to you offline again that. When it, when it comes to sort of challenging the seat, who oh yeah, this is this is the line from Alana, isn't it? Only only you can challenge her or something. Yeah, only you're powerful enough or something. So so a that led me to believe that the seat is like the most powerful um, channeler. Yeah, that there clearly are very well defined power levels, and that Mor- Moraine is, I, I guess, then the second most, if not the most powerful one. It, and, and this is where it all gets so messy and this really frustrates me so much because the 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 question of power levels and all of that is so clearly set out and explained in the books right well yes because my understanding is that there's essentially maths that you can do so i i don't know i don't know that's quite right but robert jordan released something called the i think it was robert jordan is like the wheel of time companion or something which literally just has a list of everyone in the book who can channel and ranks them, right? And, yeah. and, and, and okay, fine, say what you like about easily codified power levels. I know that's not necessarily the most popular thing in fantasy at the moment, but if that exists and you deviate from it, you need to have a better reason than let's create a mystery for three episodes of who is the dragon, there's another issue with the who is a dragon mystery that I'll come on to later, but your whole, oh, is, does that mean that Moraine is like the second most powerful Aes Sedai or is it, is, is she, is she more powerful than Siwan or, or whatever? Like, yeah, I guess that's all a bit relevant because as we, as, as I said, like in order to be Amalyn C, Yes, you need to have, there's like a minimum level of power that you need to have, right? You need to have enough that you're not going to feel overawed whenever you're in the presence of other Aes Sedai. Yeah, but course, I don't yeah. I don't think you have to be the strongest Aes Sedai. I don't think that's the case. In fact, no, I know it's not the case because something happens later in the books that proves that that's not the case. Yeah. Right? So, so it's not just who's the strongest. It's a political appointment. Essentially. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. It's just not the way that they really... But it's not only that it's not the way they show it in the books. They don't tell you how it works in the in the they, in they the in the show. That's the problem. This is the the infuriating thing. They don't tell you anything, right? They they start off by saying these five are important. Then they introduce this concept of the dragon, and that one of the five is probably the dragon reborn. Yeah. And then for a little while, you left you, you left sort of looking at that, going, "Yeah, but three of them are guys, and apparently, guys wielding power is really bad." Yeah. Um, and then they show us Legain again, who clearly is going looks, mad. Looks well, he looks like he's in control of his power, but also kind of going mad. Yeah. Um, 
and, and they just sort of leave all that. And then, and then you get really introduced to the way the ice and I work without them actually telling you anything. Yeah. They're like, oh, there's a bunch of colors. They all have their own sort of thing. It's not necessarily entirely clear they, what that thing they is. They explain two and a half of the five colors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, they do a decent job, I think, of showing you what... Actually, they ex- yeah, I they, can't they ex- finish that sentence, actually. They explain red. They explain red more than anything, yeah. They explain red, and they sort of hint at what green does. Uh, right? Because uh, uh, I think Alana talks about it. But I, 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 can, I can explain what all the artists do very quickly, because it doesn't really matter. Um, and then you know that Moiraine is blue. And I, you, I think you've heard of the existence of the yellows? But there's the, also I, I remember seeing the yellows, yeah. But there's also browns and whites. Sorry, the six. I think I remember seeing brown. I, I don't recall seeing white. Well, maybe they've not got the whites in the in this. Um, but I mean, like, you, you get like a shot of everything in um, in the intro, the, the chamber or whatever it is. Or and and you get them in the hall of the tower. Uh, yeah, I can't remember seeing whites, but I don't remember if there was six or five. It doesn't really matter. But well, like, the Amelin seat, perhaps, because I guess she but, wears white, but. but in, in which must mean they're getting rid of whites because the Amaralyn wouldn't wear the colour of an Ardra because she is of all Ardras and none. Um, yeah, so th- this, this is the problem, right? There's so, there's so much hinted at. And they sort of, again, they sort of do this in the books, but it works because we're only in Rand, Matt, Perrin, Egwene, and Nynaeve's heads, and none of them have a clue what's going on. It doesn't yeah. work to be following Moiraine through the tower and us not understanding what's going on and Moiraine understanding what's going on, that doesn't work. You've hit the nail on the head there, right? Because when we first get the idea of that there might be some magic, right, is with Egwene being inducted and talking to Nynaeve and it's, it's sort of like listening to the wind, right? That's yeah. sort of what they're they're talking about. You're like, okay, that that's that's some... That's kind some magic, like rural weather weather whispering yeah. stuff. Yeah, fine. And Nynaeve is like good at healing, and, and you get the sense that there's maybe some like druidy kind of stuff going on there. Exactly. And it's it's sizzle, right? You're like, oh, this is exciting. I love yeah. magic systems, and magic systems in fantasy are so important to do right. I mean, yeah. certainly Brandon Sanderson will agree with me on that. Um, when we next have a pint, I'll ask him. But... They they completely undo all that hard work in setting up the sizzle by then just putting us again, as you say, in Moiraine's shoes, and you're like, oh well, okay, that's that's just it then. <laughs> and and it's 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 really good in the books because you get Moiraine teaching Egwene about magic, and so that's how we're introduced to it in the book. Moiraine talks about the five flows and the pattern and the weaving and all of that, and that's really good because Egwene doesn't know what the hell's going on. So Moiraine is able to give us the introduction that we need by giving it to Egwene. Yeah, which is very which elegant. Is, way which of doing is it. such an elegant way of doing it. And they try to do that in the show, in that that episode where Rand follows them and they're having their chat. But it just it just doesn't work because you don't get to spend the time with them. Because all of a sudden we're whisked off to the White Tower. And, and just dumped in the middle of Aes Sedai politics with no context, no explanation, and we're expected to keep up with Moraine, 
who has been doing that her whole life. That's the problem. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a huge problem. And, and it creates... Because I remember just thinking uh, when they showed the three Aes Sedai kind of linking up, right, to, to, to fight Legain. Yeah. And, and when you see that, you're like, okay, well, so there's five characters that are setting up in this old Dragon Reborn situation. Yeah. Presumably there's going to be some linking action there. And then, no. Because that's at one point I was thinking, all five of them are just five different aspects of the dragon. Voltron dragon. Well, because I guess it has a sort of symmetry then with the number of of colours, I suppose. That's that's actually very true. That that would have been a way they could have gone that would have made all of Reddit very angry. Well, everything makes Reddit very angry. True. But the the big problem, the, the... the thing that I think a lot of people, myself included, a little bit struggled with, with the who is the Dragon Reborn stuff, is they make a huge thing of whoever is the Dragon Reborn will break the world, right? That's a big thing that they say. But the reason yeah. that's a thing in the books is because the dragon is going to be a man, The idea that the dragon... Because there is there is nothing... If the dragon could be a woman, if the dragon reborn, sorry, could be a woman, then you don't have a risk of them going mad from the taint. Yes. So why are you worried if it's Nynaeve or Egwene? You're just like, great, we've got the most yeah, powerful eyes Easy. Fuck it, fucking ever. <laughs> Who cares? That, and that's so pivotal to the question of whether or not it's Rand is Rand is so scared of going mad right because the idea of male and I don't think they make enough of <laughs> you don't think so they, they literally have him say it in maybe the last 30 seconds of the show no, but my, my point is I don't think they make enough of the the fear that male channelers give to literally everyone. Oh yeah, you don't get that sense at all. You don't get that sense at all. You see it a little bit with Loghain, right? You see it a little bit with Mm. with that episode with Loghain and when he's like, his soldiers are taking the castle and stuff. But you think that's because it's Loghain and he's got this army? Exactly. That's that's nothing to do with the fact that he's a guy channeling. That's just to do with... He's very powerful, apparently. Yeah, and you, you don't get you get the sense that they'd be as as scared if that was Moiraine or Nynaeve, and they just wouldn't. And there's a, there's a whole bunch of other reasons why they wouldn't, but like the core of it is the breaking of the world was when the dragon or Luzarin, the dragon, and his hundred companions and all the male Aes Sedai went mad and broke the world. Like, this is a huge thing. The breaking of the world is this massive event, 3,000 years in the past, that still lives in the cultural memory of everyone um, in the world, basically. And it's so inextricably tied to lose Thurin and the male Aes Sedai of the Age of Legends. And I just don't think you you give them that. No, no, I don't think they... they give any time to that in season one. Yeah. But but my guess is that they I do think have a plan coming. for that. Right? I think that's they, they sizzle coming. it a bit because they, they show you what 3,000 years ago looks like and it's obviously a very different world, much yeah. like hyper-modern. So and you, you're wondering, you know, what the what fuck happened? happened? <laughs> and you, you do get some, like, post-apocalyptic shots as well, don't you? In the, yes. As, yeah. as 
Moiraine and Lan and, and the Evansfield Five are traveling, you get like zoomed out shots. You're like, hold on, are those skyscrapers covered in trees? Like, what? So, yeah. so it's there. But I, ju- I just don't think that they spent enough time building up the right bits of the world. And this is going to, this is me just now like, deviating entirely into the books did it better. But the opening, like the prologue to the book, the prologue to the Eye of the World is set during the Age, age of Legends, right at the end, after Luce Therin has gone mad, and you see the result of his madness. And it's completely right, yeah, So the tone is very different then because you you start off the books therefore by by being afraid of people like males yeah. being channeled as Yeah. Well you know, you see you see Luther in he's he's this isn't really a spoiler, because it's the first it's the prologue of the first book, but he's essentially killed everyone he ever knew and isn't even aware of that fact. That's how yeah. mad he is. Right? And then someone comes along and is able to heal him of his madness just enough for him to realise what he's done. And then he commits suicide by turning, by channeling so much power, he creates a volcano, which is pretty metal. Um, I said, that's not a bad way to go. It's not a bad way to go. <laughs> and the, the really frustrating thing is there is actually an animated short that they've made for the show, which shows this. And I don't know why they just didn't make it the first two minutes of the show. That would have been so much more It would have been yeah. so much more helpful. Because it then gives you that context. And it, you start to understand why the search for the Dragon Reborn matters, because... Well, and this is another thing, right? Because I feel they're almost too slow at introducing the concept of the Dark One and what that actually means. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because in the beginning... It doesn't feel organic to me, because something as genuinely apocalyptic and clearly scary as the dark one as i now understand it mm. you know in the first episode or two that they're, they're just kind of running away and they're like oh you know you know there's something pretty bad after us and gotta make sure idea. the dark one doesn't get you yeah exactly and it, it's sort of this thing is like yeah okay you know my head again to liken this to something like lord of the rings you're thinking right they're being chased by some sort of orc boss Whereas yeah. actually, what's chasing them is Melkor. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. And it's just, that that's those are not equivalent things. Well, there's there's, there's the implication, isn't there? I don't know, I, this might just be me being unfair, but there's this implication that the fa- the fade that's chasing them is yes. the dark one. Yes, there is. But then there's also the guy with the glowy eyes that they dream of, and you think, is that the dark one? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and another thing that not not nearly enough is made of the dreams because, like, the Rand and Matt and Perrin's dreams form a huge part of the first book because the Dark One is trying to find them. Right? He's trying to work out which of the three, or in the show's case, five it is. But he can hunt them in in their dreams, and so you have conversations that Rand has with the Dark One. Or who we oh, think that's is, so interesting, yeah. Or who we think is the dark one. So all the a lot of those conversations that you get in the last episode with the the guy playing the dark one, who's a fantastic casting, by the way. Um, yes, absolutely. Like a lot of that, I don't know why that's not sprinkled through the show. Put put have have that guy appear in every episode. 
just you get a dream with, with Rand or with Matt or with Perrin or with Nynaeve or with Egwene and him and him being like, is it you? Do but it, you it, want- it feels like an idea that they they piloted, right? Because they have it, I think, you get, in episode two where they talk you get about Perrin's oh, we dream dreams, the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. They all dream the thing with the bat and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and then this, it, it the, seemed to just resonate badly with the directors or something or, I don't or producers. Know, I don't know. And they're like, eh, that's too complicated or whatever. But there's this more shiny this, magic. That's what yeah, exactly. But there's there's like there's a, so there's a great scene where the dark one breaks a rat's back in one of Rand's dreams, and Rand wakes up, and it turns out that Rand and Matt had the same dream, and then they're at an, at an inn somewhere, and then Rand's going out, and he just overhears the cook talking to the innkeeper about how there's something really weird, like something their cat's done something really weird because. There's loads of dead rats all over the inn and they've all got their backs broken. And Rand's just like, sorry, what? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> but he just like bl- blanks it and pushes it to one side and goes off and has his day. And we're just, you know, as a reader, you're just sitting there going, hold on, what? See, they could have done that scene in the same amount of time as they, they did the bat. Exactly. But they don't, but they don't do inns because they cut cities from... Right, so you never see them at an inn, I don't think, until they get to Tarvalon. Uh, and, no, because they, they have that whole... Well, Matt and, and Rand have that whole thing where they work in an inn. Oh, no, of course, you have it with you have it with Tom, don't you? Tom Merlin. Yeah. I, and to be fair, I really liked that episode. Yeah, me that, too. That episode with the dark friend, innkeeper woman, um, and they meet Tom Merlin, and then... They, ah, well... Now, the dark friend, that's interesting. Oh. Because I remember at the end of that episode thinking, well, she just turned out to be evil for no apparent reason. Yeah. And <laughs> that, that's because she's 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 fulfilling the role of four or five people in the books, right? So the, the point that she is meant to make is that nowhere is safe and there are dark friends everywhere. Even, and the people who... The dark friends aren't the ones you think are dark friends. Right, she's perfectly nice. She's a bit flirty. Um, she gives them a nice place to stay, and then tries to murder them. Yes, and it comes completely out of nowhere, and that's how it's meant to work. But I do, I get what you mean. If you're not, ex- again, it comes to this: if you're not expecting that, then that's really jarring. Not expecting that, but then she also because she tried to look like Egwene, right, to to get onto Rand's yeah. side, and and. They, they do a really bad job of explaining exactly how she knows that. Yes, they do. It's like, oh, magic. It's like, that's not helpful. <laughs> it's, it's not helpful. Again, if, she, if she'd said something about, you know, well, he came to me in my dreams and showed me her. Like, yeah, that, that yeah. would have probably got you there. I mean, and, and this is what I feel they need to really do. Like, it's a universe, as I said, that has such a well-defined magic and the magic has yeah. a place in the world yeah as, as you're now telling me it clearly has a, a very important place in the world yeah and and they they just no they don't they they try to do it organically and in so doing make it incomprehensible i think the problem is i think the problem is they're trying to do it organically and they don't have time to do as much organically as they want to do because they've squeezed yeah. two and a half books into eight episodes. Maybe, yeah. Right? 
Okay, well, yeah, no, actually, I don't know that. <laughs> well, uh, ish, book and a half, two and a half, some, some, somewhere in that. They've taken bits from, they've done all of book one and bits of books two and three. Yeah, basically, and they've tried to, uh, and I get that because there's fourteen books. I get that. That's absolutely fine. I'm not one of. I'm not saying well, they should have made 14 10-episode series because that's just not realistic. That's never going to happen. The actors would age too quick. Like, it's that's just not practical. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But I think that they've cut too much and there are there are too, there's too much filler as well. There's, there's some episodes that just don't need to exist. The Steppen episode, I know you like the Steppen episode, um, but they don't need to spend that much time explaining the Warder Bond. It's not that important yet. See, well, you're, you're saying that, but from my point of view, it clearly is very important. Because they spent time explaining it. They spent so much time explaining it. And actually, they they they, they almost paint the waters as almost the most the most human people you so far meet. Cause but that's... We have a strongest like emotional connection to them. We do have a really strong emotional connection to them. And that's so weird, coming at it as a book reader. Because until, I think, like halfway through book two... Lan is the only warder we meet. And yeah, whereas and we, we, we meet so many of them. Uh, Nynaeve clearly has a thing for Lan very quickly. Yeah, and that's fine. That's 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 kosher. I don't have a problem with that. But yeah, the, 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 it's not... And I, I'm saying it's confusing even though I haven't read the book. So, it, so I think as a TV show on its own, it's confusing. Maybe it's because they've tried to pander to both sides, right? They I, have read it and the people haven't. I think that's probably the correct answer. I mean, we have to we have to mention this, right? Because again, sizzle for the Lord of the Rings TV show episode, but people forget that an adaptation is an adaptation. Yes, no, and that's completely right? true, and that's and that's that's a point that I'm I'm always hasty to make in discussions like this. I don't mind them making changes. Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy is better for the changes that he made, the things he put in, and the things he took out. It's just better than a direct word-for-word adaptation of the books because they're different mediums. They have to be treated differently and things that work on page don't work on film and vice versa. Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't necessarily go as far as saying it's better because it's hard to compare, but it's, his adaptation you can, you is, can, is phenomenal. You can, yeah, you, sorry, <laughs> you that's, can't that's fair. That. You, can't, you can't compare... Can't, can't compare it with something that doesn't exist, but right, and that, and that that you see that in the dialogue that that he creates, uh, changes in different factions that appear in different places. But even things like and all his, that works. His change of core characters. We've said this before. Book Aragorn and film Aragorn are different people. Completely They're completely different people. Different people. And but Gandalf is good. Uh, film Gandalf gets his staff broken. You know? Exactly. Um, <laughs> but. Those those are changes that work. Is it better than if we'd had a word for word adaptation? I don't know, but we don't have a word for word adaptation. We have Peter Jackson's trilogy, and it's probably it's phenomenal. <laughs> one of the best pieces of fantasy cinema that will ever be created. And and, and you can watch those films and actually understand what's happening. You get a good feeling of the universe difference because it takes its time when it needs to, and it speeds up where it needs to, and then it takes its time again. It lets you catch up. It's so well paced. Yeah. And pacing is this show's biggest issue. I agree. Uh, on that note, let's let's talk a little bit about A, you brought up sort of the scenery before. Now I actually really liked the cinematography. Sure. Massive. So so the casting, the cinematography, big pluses in my opinion. 
Now, obviously, I don't have any preconception of what the world looks like, but I think yeah. it looked amazing where they were. Um, up until what is the last episode, the last two episodes? When they rock up to what is, I get the sense, a very important city. Eh, and this, this is the thing. That's really when the whole thing comes off the rails. The, the whole thing comes completely <laughs> off the rails in the last two episodes. I, I completely agree. Um, but this, this, this is the thing. So you're saying Faldara is obviously very important. Eh. It's, it it's maybe important's not the right word, but it, it, you know, they, they sort of say it's a really it's, old, so it's never fallen. Like it's clearly at, at the. I don't think that means anything, though. This, this is the yeah, problem. Maybe. They talk about, oh, this is a city that's never fallen. It's like, well, yeah, so that's not relevant. It's sort of never been come under siege. Like it's so. There's, there's like the whole load of stuff is changed about in the last two episodes that just makes the whole show poorer for my money. The 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 off the top of my head very quickly. Um, they absolutely butcher Agelmar's character. Um, they create... <laughs> I can agree with that, even though I don't know his character in the books. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they basically turn his sister into an Aes Sedai, which doesn't make any sense. Tarwin's Gap is a, f- a badly designed wall. Um See, but that, but that is why I'm saying the city's clearly important because they they almost make it look like the wall in A Song of Ice and Fire, right? It's, yeah. it's hugely defense, uh, like a and, fortified and, position, and and you get the impression that that's for a reason. That and that side of it is that side of it is true. So so it it is it's a it's a fortress city, um, but it's like a fortress to protect from from the blight. Right. So yeah, that's so, not so this is what they don't make clear. <laughs> so the blight. Is where Trollocs are spawned. That's where they they exist. That's their like home country for for what what it's worth. So so Faldara, since the fall of Malkier, is your sort of northeasternmost city, right? But it's not on the edge of the Blight. Tarwin's Gap is like a three days ride northeast of there, right? And there are. It looks like 20 seconds. It's 20 second walk. And there are like border fortresses that sit along the Blight, right? The the Blight border is a thing. And boys from Shi'anar are sent to the Blight border for their first posting and and all of that. So it's not just like this random fortress run by idiots who, which like exists for no reason. It's a city that has been fortified over the years to provide the last readout against the encroaching Trollocs from the bro- from the Blight. Oh, so the Trollocs come from the Blight? Yes, Trolloc raids come south See. from the Blight, and then you've got the Borderland countries. So that, Malkia... that I either missed or that no, it's explained. just not it's just not explained. Um, so Malkia before it fell, and then Shi'anar, Arafel, Kandor, and. Fuck, who cares? There's a there's a, <laughs> a, a Saladir. Um right, so those are those four nations make up the borderlands, right? And that's like your aggressively militarized, your whole society is geared towards protecting against the blight. Um and essentially acting as a shield for the realms of men. So in that sense, it is like the wall from Game of Thrones. But if the wall was four countries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, rather than just like three hundred blokes. So so Fine, you can make that change, you can make all of these changes, but every time you make these changes away from the book, you lose some of the essentially beauty of the world that um 
that Robert Jordan created and Brandon Sanderson finished. So the sense that you get from the sense that you get from Shi'anar, right, from Faldara, is that Faldara is the only city in Shi'anar when it's not, and that it's purely military, which it's not. It's not just a fortress. It's a city. It's a living, breathing city with merchants and traders and farmers and all of that. The land, the land between Faldara and the border and the Blight, sorry, is farmed. Right, it's a, it's a living, breathing civilization. It's not just Lord Engelmar yeah, yeah, yeah. and his bunch of idiots. So, so no, 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 I get that. That's obviously a big change from the book, but that that doesn't necessarily mean that it had to. No, it's bad. It it doesn't mean that it had to be this bad. No, but like that. Well, I mean, you you don't like the scene, so maybe you're better explaining why it's bad because it just irritates me. I'm, I'm trying to struggle as to how to. The rules to, all to change. Express this. I mean, what comes to mind again is, is a Lord of the Rings comparison, right? With, with yeah. Helm's Deep. Yeah. Because the, the very idea that we get in, in The Two Towers is that Rohan is a sort of... It's it's a faded nation, or it's just, it just never was a very progressive nation, and, and they're completely helpless. Um, uh, you know, and, and what they need is Aragorn, who's the king of Gondor, and what they need is a bunch of elves just to be able to survive. Um, yeah. And in the film, I think that's that's a change that works for me. I like it. Don't get me wrong. It's very different to the books, where obviously Rohan is very self-sufficient, defends itself from Isengard. Fine. What I'm getting here is that they try to set up this place, like I said, a bit like the wall in the Song of Ice and Fire, right? Sort of, sort of yeah. like frontier. Massively important. Uh, these people are very caring about Oh yeah, no, we we are the last line of defense. We are very important on the first line of defense, rather. Yeah, you know, and and we're proud of that. We're honorable people, and we're we're proud of the the job that we fulfill. Great, fantastic. It's not very nuanced, perhaps. Um, but that's fine. But I can buy it. But then the problem is they undo all of that in the space of twenty minutes by having them be completely shit. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't. That really doesn't help the fact that. You know, this this highly militarized fortress appears to have a garrison of thirteen people. But like five guys on a horse, and then five guys like on a horse. Guys with shields. It's just so stupid. It's so bad. It's like they ran out of time or something. I've got no idea. I just, it's like they ran out of budget. Is actually what it Maybe. looks looks like to me. But even then, I mean, the, the they guys spent all their budget on Rosamund Pike. <laughs> well, they would have done, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Agilmar, you said. Agilmar, Agilmar, yeah, yeah. Like they, because they they build him up to be a, a, a king. It. I guess I don't know if that's if that's necessarily true, but like clearly a very dedicated warrior. He's, like, he's, know, yeah, he's the, he's, the rule, he's the ruler of Faldara. Yeah, and then he essentially goes into a panic. It's like, well, everything's lost now. Okay, fine. And then he shoots some crossbow bolts, and for some reason doesn't take the good five, ten, five to ten seconds he has to prepare to dodge out of the way of a spear. Uh, I mean, what is that? That's shit. <laughs> it's just so stupid. It's so frustrating. Uh, this is more of, well, but in the books. But in the books, as, I, as I've said to you offline, Egomar is one of the four best generals alive, right? He, he's one of the four... <laughs> He's one of the four great captains, right? And and th- those four great captains are absolutely pivotal to winning 
the last battle. So I, you know, I imagine so they're, they're just, not going to win the last battle in a TV show because he's they're like just, he's dead. <laughs> they're just going to rewrite the last battle, which is fine. They'll, they'll. I, I, I think I can see how they simplify it. Um, but, but if they are going to simplify it, why bother with the whole that whole battle in the first place? Well, this is the because they needed to give Egwene and Nynaeve and Perrin something to do. Ah, oh, but. Because they the best de- they could think of. Because they decided they weren't going to the eye of the world. That that's what it is. But that would it, have been so much easier, surely. It's one what, location. You just have follow, all your characters there. Follow the follow the books and have them all go to the eye of the world. Yeah, no, that's because that's what then you can ignore in... all that that wall yes, business. Because what happens? They all go to the eye of the world in the books in, in the book the eye of the world the finale happens at the eye of the world and all five of them are there and then you learn afterwards what happened at tarwin's gap right because the idea of trollocs coming through tarwin's gap is in the eye of the world but it just happens off screen because mm-hmm. it's not relevant you don't get my favorite bad scene which is Egwene, Nynaeve. Is it Amalisa, I think her name is? And two randoms off the street. (laughs) (laughs) Linking somehow. And then destroying all of the Trollocs after they've come through the fortress. Yes. And alright, I can I I can rationalize that as no one they weren't expecting Egwene and Nynaeve's power, so they were able to do more than they thought they were going to be able to do. That's that's sort of fine. But there's just so much of that that doesn't make sense. But they 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 already changed the rules of the magic again, right? Nynaeve died. Yeah. Also, <laughs> as far Nynaeve as we can died. tell, she's fully dead. <laughs> she's fully burnt out, dead. And then Egwene cries on her, and she gets better. Yeah, which I don't know. Are you supposed to believe that Egwene is is stronger than Nynaeve? Yeah. Well, I can bring people back from the dead. That's because that's a Big game changer. If death becomes transient, if Egwene is really sad about you dying, I don't yeah. know. That no, that that's really where the whole thing completely came apart. Um, and and it, it's a shame because actually the interaction between Rand and well, actually Rand and Moraine and um, the, the the not dark one, the probably not dark one. Probably, yeah, well, so- I think we can we can safely assume he's not the dark one because. He gets vanquished too easily. Yeah, well, th- and this this is this is probably my final bugbear. And I know we've we've been going for a long time, and we need to think about wrapping up. But never the word "forsaken" is mentioned, as far as I can <laughs> yeah. tell, once in the show. I haven't gone back and checked, but I think it's once in the whole show, and it's spoken by Stepan, who's apparently burning offerings to them, which is a bit weird. I assume they're to keep them at bay. Which is confusing because there's like a, a a mantra in the Wheel of Time, which is the Dark One and the Forsaken are burned in Shyogul, trapped by the creator at the moment of creation. So why would you burn offerings to keep away something that's trapped? Never mind. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the the idea of Forsaken isn't really brought out to us, and they're such a core part of the next. 13 books <laughs> it just doesn't make sense that you you we don't get any explanation of who who the forsaken are 
you know, I don't... Uh, and this, this, this is the thing, because when we sort of spoke and we were like planning this yeah. episode and, and yes we do plan our episodes this, this just, may not sound like it just doesn't sound like we do um but you but you were like oh and you know talking about the forsaken and i just sort of went the, the what the what man? um <laughs> the who and, and you get the feeling that that's that's kind of a big deal <laughs> it's a huge deal it's a huge deal and so yeah it, yeah it's it's it the show started off so well and then modelled itself up. Yeah. I don't know if, if halfway through filming, they sort of got confirmation from Amazon that, yes, there's going to be a second season. And so they were like, oh, good, we've got lots more time now. I, I don't almost, know. I almost wonder if that's true. When was the second season greenlit? Or, or however many more seasons were greenlit? I don't know, because you we could have... really looked at that in our planning session. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than just chatting about the Forsaken. Um, that's not but, as fun, though. But, but no, you're right. It, it would be really interesting to find out how many more seasons have been greenlit and when that was and whether you can spot when the show went, oh, we've got lots of time now. We can spend a whole episode diving into the Warder Bond and what that means. When it doesn't matter. When it doesn't matter, yeah. But, yeah. So at the end of, at the end of all that, what what's your five-star rating for the Wheel of Time TV show? I started thinking it was three. I think it's probably still three. I'm glad it was made. It's made Amazon a fair bit of money, which is, I think, a good thing all around for the hopes of fantasy adaptations. I think, like, that's important. It, I, that it I do... can actually feel Reddit hating you right now. Yeah, because Reddit doesn't understand business. <laughs> <laughs> I, I point you back to my hot take on the end times. But what, the no. one that demonstrably shows that you also don't know business. <laughs> That's not what that shows at all. Um, no, I think I think it is a three star. I think it's not it's not going to revolutionise TV. I don't agree with a lot of the changes, but I will watch season two. It's not a dumpster fire. If you think no. that the if you think that the casting is the reason that it went badly, or if you think that the only problem with it can be traced back to the fact that they wanted to have some, you know yes moments for the female characters then fuck you um you don't you're just a not very nice person and quite i think that it can still be salvaged i think that's the the key thing for me is it is actually still salvageable from here i don't know how many more episodes like the last one the show can take though no that and that and that's it I think with the cast they have, right? I feel there's enough chemistry. They're all they're all very good actors. Um, but to me, anyway, I mean, I'm not exactly trained, but I I, I bought them. Yeah. <laughs> um, they work really well together. As I said, the setting is is amazing. It looks fantastic. Uh, there's a real sense of immersion uh, that I was getting. Yeah. Uh, that, that I'm sort of really living this. But but they just couldn't quite tie the plot together and that's a big problem for longevity yes <laughs> so much that, a cast can do right i think i think that's right i think the first two or three episodes of season two need to basically fix a lot of the problems of season one yes but i think those are fixable problems yeah how are they going to give more her magic back that's the main question i actually have an answer to that but you're going to need to damn it we'll find out next episode read, read and find <laughs> out um, 
Um, yeah, and I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll stay at three stars as well. I, I think par, par for the course. Yeah. I can't believe I'm not... I, I, I set, set a requirement that we weren't allowed to do half stars because my actual rating is two and a half stars. But I'll round it up to three, not down to two. See, where was I, I think I'm three and a half, but rounding down to three, so... Fair, fair. I, I'm, I'm too wound up by some of the changes, but they're just such it, it's stupidly inconsequential <laughs> changes. Him getting killed <laughs> with that spear is, is just That's so bad. stupid. That's very, very bad. It's not nearly as grating to me as the power level changes. Yeah, like, that, that to me is just confusing, but I guess I, I sort of take that with a, oh, maybe that's just what it's like. <laughs> yeah, because it, uh, it was what we were speaking about, the whole it, inherently men are stronger, but there's a balance there that men aren't able to link without women and all of that, that I think is a really neat magic system um, yeah, yeah. that just they've just thrown out in favour of maybe Rand's the strongest, maybe Nynaeve is, everyone else is a chump, basically. And and it really, I think it does Robert Jordan a really a massive disservice because one of the things I knew about Wheel of Time is that that yeah, a lot of thought went into the mechanics of it all. Yeah, and that really doesn't shine through in the TV show. No, I think that's I think that's completely right. It's doing him a massive disservice. Anyway, yeah, I think with that we can conclude. Yes. So all that remains for me to say is thank you so much for listening to this episode of Expertise is Overrated. Uh, no doubt we've said some things that are either objectively wrong or downright offensive. As ever, feel free to let us know. Rate the podcast and leave us a comment or drop us an email at expertiseisoverrated at gmail.com. Tweet us at zero expertise. Check out our website, expertiseisoverrated.podbean.com every time. <laughs> or join us on our Discord server. If you're lucky, we might just argue with you in one of our upcoming episodes. And if you're really lucky, we might call you an idiot. We will be back in two weeks' time, which will be a mere month or so after the launch of Total War Warhammer 3. As such, because we have impeccable timing, in our next episode, we will be discussing our favourite legendary lords from Total War Warhammer 2. Join us then for more nonsense. <laughs>